Welcome to Counter Apologetics. I'm your host, Emerson Green, and today we'll be discussing exorcism and the rise in demonic possession. Exorcisms declined in the U.S. by the 18th century and were rare until the latter half of the 20th century. Right around the time there was a sharp increase in books and movies that involved demonic possession, such as Rosemary's Baby and The Exorcist. According to the priest Malachi Martin, quote, There was a 50% increase in the number of exorcisms performed between the early 1960s and the mid-1970s. End quote. So exorcism began to decline around the time of the Enlightenment and Scientific Revolution and continued to decline until recently. Now the belief in demonic possession and the accompanying practice of casting them out has returned with a vengeance. This is a confirmation of the New Atheist claim that beliefs have consequences, and all the grisly barbarism and lunacy of religion's past is simply dormant, not eradicated. As long as religion is a respected, legitimate institution, this will keep happening, and God only knows what previously extinct religious practice will be revived in the future. Belief in demonic possession is not a fringe idea. More than half of Americans polled in a 2013 YouGov survey reported that they believed in it, and 46% said that exorcisms could drive out demons. Gallup corroborates that roughly half of the U.S. population believes in demonic possession, and presumably that it explains some phenomena that we witness in the world. Sometimes on this podcast, when I want to point to the trend of religious explanations being replaced by naturalistic explanations, I'll remind everyone that demonic possession was once widely considered to be the cause of seizures, miscarriage, and disease. That's one of the common examples I use because I thought it was a safe assumption that most modern religious folks wouldn't believe that illnesses were caused by demonic activity. But I suppose if Jerry Falwell believed that 9-11 was God's punishment for the activities of gays and feminists, I shouldn't be surprised that many haven't internalized the insight of the ancient Greek philosopher Thales that impersonal, natural laws and processes are the cause of what we observe around us, rather than the activity of invisible, powerful minds, event causation over agent causation. This is a major lesson of naturalism that even religious people have internalized in many areas, areas that their religious ancestors never would have conceded to natural law. One can reasonably point to the correlation of the rise of demonic possession and popular media that reinvigorated the culture's demonic imagination. However, one reason I think that can't be the whole story is because it's entirely possible to partake in books and movies without thinking they are real. People do it all the time, and not just with religious fiction. You don't even have to be an all-around skeptic. If you believe the events in a film or book are realistic possibilities, you might walk away more fearful. If I were in high school and I saw a movie about a school shooting, I would be more on edge about school shootings. But when I see a movie about demonic possession, or ghosts, it couldn't affect me in the same way. Because A, I'm not a substance dualist, and even if I was a dualist, B, I don't believe in demons. Your conscious experiences are caused by, or synonymous with, your brain processes. So it's impossible for your soul to leave your brain, and it's impossible for another soul-like being to take over your material body. Years ago, I attended an apologetics retreat called Summit in Colorado. The motto of the organization was, Beliefs Have Consequences. 
Ironically, that could also be the motto of anti-theism. Possessions and exorcisms only make sense on substance dualism, and this is one reason truth matters. If you're walking around with inaccurate beliefs bouncing around your head, there's no telling all the dead ends and blind alleys you'll be led down. Not to mention all the unnecessary harm it might lead you to cause. Religion can lead you to cause harm without even realizing that you're causing harm, and this is made possible by different, descriptive, factual beliefs about the world. So the demand for exorcists is on the rise, and the Vatican is all too happy to meet that demand. Let me quote from The Guardian in 2018. The Vatican is to hold a training course for priests in exorcism next month, amid claims that demands for deliverance from demonic possession have greatly increased across the world. According to a priest from Sicily, the number of people in Italy claiming to be possessed has tripled to 500,000 a year, and an Irish priest has said demand for exorcisms has, quote, risen exponentially. Last year, the Christian think tank Theos reported that exorcisms were a, quote, booming industry, end quote. So those involved in these millions of cases are not materialists, and they're obviously not atheists either. Most of them are Catholics or Charismatics. If you're a dualist, even if you're not religious, you'd be perfectly rational to think that some of these cases are real. It could just be a case of body switching, or of two souls occupying one body, or another soul temporarily occupying the body in question. If you're a Christian, it might actually be a genuine possession. And that's a crucial point. This is all perfectly rational on Christianity. None of this is irrational if you take the religion seriously. So if you're wondering how so many adults believe this is a real problem in the 21st century, there's your answer. Let me quote from the Washington Post, October 2nd of this year. An Arizona man faces a federal murder charge for holding his six-year-old son's face under extremely hot water for several minutes to cast out a demon. He told the police he had noticed in the past week that his son was possessed by a demon. While he was bathing his son and his other child Thursday, he told investigators he saw something evil in his son, and he knew he had to get rid of the demon. The boy became unnaturally angry, so he allegedly held his son's head under the bathtub faucet for five to ten minutes so the hot water would run into his mouth. The water was casting out the demon, he told investigators. He allegedly told police that there was a demon inside his son and that he needed to save him. The man's wife also told police the boy had been acting demonic. Police found the boy, who was naked and did not seem to be breathing, propped up on a pillow on top of a bed. He was pronounced dead about 5.30 p.m. and had burns on 15% of his body, including his forearms, elbows, and head. End quote. The most a Christian who believes in demonic possession can legitimately criticize here is the technique. So if casting the demon out of the six-year-old boy had been performed correctly, whatever that means, he would have been fine. It's not that this is an insane regression into a way of understanding behavior that is centuries outdated. The exorcism just should have been performed differently, perhaps by a professional, who'd been summoned through the proper channels. I'm quoting from a few news articles this episode because the rise of exorcisms has been a noted trend in recent years. This is from The Atlantic, entitled American Exorcism. Quote, The demand for exorcisms the Catholic Church's antidote to demonic possession, seems to be growing. Though the Church does not keep official statistics 
the exorcists I interviewed for this article attest to fielding more pleas for help every year. Father Vincent Lampert, the official exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, told me in early October that he'd received 1,700 phone or email requests for exorcisms in 2018, by far the most he's ever gotten in one year. Several other priests reported that without support from church staff and volunteers, their exorcism ministries would quickly swallow up their entire weekly schedules. End quote. About half of all Americans believe in demonic possession and believe exorcisms are effective. Belief in the devil rose from 55% in 1990 to 70% in 2007. More and more people are taking Christian mythology literally in this area and citing it as an explanation for events in the real world. To quote the cool Pope, Pope Francis, We should not think of the devil as a myth, a representation, a symbol, a figure of speech, or an idea, but rather as a personal being who assails us. End quote. Christendom has never really stopped believing this. Why are so many people suddenly taking it so seriously? Why are exorcisms on the rise? The short answer is because demonic possession is on the rise. Exorcism is a pretty logical activity when you or a loved one has become possessed by a demon. So why are demonic possessions on the rise? Or rather, why do so many people suddenly believe demons are the reason something is happening to themselves or another? Unfortunately, I'm not sure we have a clear answer to why now. This trend is consistent with other similar anti-science trends, like the rise of the anti-vax movement. In recent years, journalists and academics have documented a renewed interest in magic, astrology, and witchcraft. There is a general rising tide of anti-intellectualism and anti-scientific attitudes, and interpreting real-world events through the lens of spiritual warfare could just be one of the many vessels bobbing on that rising tide. People are looking outside of science and reason to explain what's happening to them in their lives. Perhaps this is one symptom of rapidly decreasing trust in our modern institutions and those who run them, so they turn to a more traditional institution, religion. Of course, Christian authorities have their own explanations that all presupposed demons are real. Bill Donahue, Catholic apologist, said, quote, Millennials are especially attracted to the paranormal. Turned off by organized religion, they're more likely to be drawn to the occult. Many today harbor a fascination with the occult. Magic, witchcraft, astrology, and the like are deceptive substitutes for God. It should be stressed that the devil thrives in such an environment. End quote. Unless we believe demons are literally real, the question is why belief in demonic possession is on the rise. But I suppose if we're wondering why belief in demonic possession is on the rise, a potential explanation that we should consider is that demonic possession is on the rise. That is an explanation for the trends we're seeing. Naturally, you would wonder why demons are just now returning with a vengeance. I'm not sure what they were up to before. The answer to why now, as you just heard, is horoscopes and Ouija boards. More generally, it's opening yourself up to the occult and the unchristian. If you're a true religious believer, that's the obvious answer. The door has been opened to Satan through Ouija boards and horoscopes, and demons have simply taken the opportunity you've given them. As one exorcist put it, demons rely on doorways. We have to ask how we would expect the world to look if this explanation were accurate. What would we expect to observe and not observe? 
As far as this hypothesis goes, there seems to be disconfirming evidence that can be found in atheists and actual Satanists. I don't know if you've met other atheists, but a good number of them have a lot of fun with satanic stuff. They don't think it's real, so there's no harm in pentagrams and spooky statues and all kinds of demonic paraphernalia and rituals. Demonic possession is at an all-time low among atheists and Satanists, last I checked, even though we've opened ourselves up to it, and even explicitly invited it in many cases. This stuff only has power over you if you believe in it, and that's generally not how real things work. If I stop believing in gravity, I don't float off the surface of the earth. If I stop believing in germs, they will still get me sick. But if I stop believing in demons, suddenly I'm not a candidate for demonic possession anymore. It's also worth noting that there was a huge renaissance of spiritualist occultism after the First and Second World Wars. People were trying to get in touch with their dead loved ones. And yet, there was no resurgence of demonic possession and exorcism like the one we've seen over the past few decades. As I mentioned, many of us have explicitly invited demonic possession, in part because it's funny to scare people who think it's real, and because we don't actually think there's a serious threat here. So maybe all the times I've done it in the past, demons just didn't hear me, or they were busy, or I hadn't used a Ouija board recently enough. So here we go. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Emerson. I would like to invite any demons who might be listening to possess my body. You have my full permission. I'd love to get to know each other. You're totally welcome here. My guard is down. The door is open. Hail Satan. I also welcome any of your famous hijinks into my life, such as bed shaking, door slamming, or projectile vomiting green stuff. Levitation, that would be cool. Anyway, I invite any demons who might be listening to possess my body. I'm totally cool with it. Hit me up. <sighs> For some reason, it just never happens. Exorcism is a fun one for me because I took a lot of anthropology when I was in college and I actually got to see footage of an exorcism, like a tribal exorcism. And we had an interesting thing that we did, right? So when we were studying this aspect of anthropology, it was, I think, in, um, you know, rel religious anthropology, cultures of religion, we had to read the field study. So we read the field report right. of the exorcism, basically the anthropologist describing what they saw. And it was unbelievable like I, I could not wait to see the video footage because I was just like this is you know they described levitation they describing mean, things that you were just like wow this is right out of the movie right yeah and I watched the video and the thing that got me I think that sticks in my head the most was that I was so so excited to see what this levitation was right like I wanted to see yeah. a person levitate at one of these ceremonies because I was just like how does that even work right so when I saw the video of the exorcism that they witnessed that was involved in the write-up, the levitation was just an arc. Now, it was a uh, it was an impressive acrobatic arc. I'll give you that. The kid had <laughs> they were flexible. The kid had their head on the ground and they had their heels on the ground and the rest of the entire body was arced off the ground. 
But that's not uh-huh. what I think of when I think of levitation, right. right? And what's interesting is when you read field reports of, of exorcism, that actually is accepted as when someone uses the term levitation, this is what they mean by it, right? It, and people in the field understand that. People that are in the field of anthropology know that when someone is describing a levitation, this is kind of what they mean, right? It's, it's a lot less impressive when you're looking at it. And I imagine also that when you're actually there during the ceremony, it's probably even more sort of, you know, you get that creepy vibe, right? Like, not, mm-hmm. I'm not saying creepy in a supernatural right. sense, but it's like you got the, there's a reason that they do the drums and there's a mm-hmm. reason that they do the, they burn the stuff and they smoke the room and they, there's all reason, you do all these things to sort of, you know, be distracting and be, you know, get those senses kind of going. And um, and this is, this is, it adds to the experience of it all, right? That ritual aspect really adds to it. That's why you see so much ritual around certain things. And so, um, yeah, I think the best, the best um, solution, I guess, to somebody who is just like, is exorcism real, is to just go watch a bunch of videos on real exorcisms because you're not going to see anything (laughs) impressive. It's possible that many of the specific symptoms of demonic possession are psychosomatic and that exorcisms work only as a placebo. But I think in many cases, the problem runs a little deeper. I think real problems, mental and other, are being interpreted within a framework of spiritual warfare. The observed symptoms may have manifested in any case. It's the interpretation of the phenomena that includes demonic possession. As one demon-possessed man put it, you can tell me I'm schizophrenic, but you can't tell me why. If it's demonic, at least I have my why. End quote. So for many, mental illness is being interpreted through the lens of Christianity. Christianity was forged a long time ago, so the explanations found in the Bible for all illnesses are the ones humans believed in at that time. There's no mention of neurology or germs, only demons, which is exactly what one would expect from a man made book from that time. In the Synoptic Gospels, There aren't any exorcisms in John, for some reason. Jesus performs at least half a dozen exorcisms. He cures the deaf and mute by casting out demons. So, at least some of the time, being deaf or mute is a result of demonic possession, according to Jesus. This is not a metaphor. He casts demons out of a deaf person, and they are no longer deaf. He also casts demons out of a mentally ill man and into a herd of pigs, who immediately commit mass suicide. He also exercised a boy who was said to have foamed at the mouth and tried to hurt himself on many occasions. His disciples tried and failed to cast the seizure and suicide demons out of the boy, and Jesus concludes that the exorcism isn't working because of unbelief. The boy's father asks if Jesus could heal the boy, and he replies, Everything is possible for those that believe. The father declares his belief, and the child is healed. So many great messages in there, it's hard to know where to begin. I don't know where we would be without God telling us that seizures, suicidal behavior, and inability to speak, and deafness are all caused by demonic activity, which of course can be solved by ritually casting out demons. And if exorcism doesn't work in solving these problems, it's because of your lack of belief. If your child is sick, and prayer doesn't cure their seizures, deafness, or suicidal behavior, Well, first of all, those things are definitely caused by demons. And if your child isn't healed, it's probably your fault. 
the Halloween before last, we discussed the Satanic Panic. I attributed the cause of the Satanic Panic, somewhat glibly, to taking religion seriously, which wasn't wrong, but certainly more could be said. We went on to discuss the pseudoscience of recovering repressed memories, and how the practice has been demonstrated to generate false memories. The reason I had to mention taking religion seriously, as a cause, was because my eyes were set on the solution. Taking religion less seriously would have prevented the entire panic and the resulting tragedies. Unless we believe demons are literally real, the question is why belief in demonic possession is on the rise. I'm not persuaded by the purely cultural explanations that involve nothing but movies and books. It feels a little too much like video games cause mass shootings to me. And it doesn't answer the underlying question of why demonic activity is taken as a serious explanation in the first place. I can watch supernatural horror movies without thinking that they're real, and this is why my glib attribution of the satanic panic to taking religion seriously is actually not a bad answer. The reason demonic stuff isn't all fun and games is because some people think demons are entirely real, which is how they derive all their power. As I mentioned, however, there are phenomena that would have manifested in any case, like certain mental illnesses that would have been there anyway. And this trend is consistent with a broader anti-science zeitgeist. People are looking outside of science and reason to explain what's happening to them in their lives. It's hard to see how some of these things are possible to believe in a modern age, though it's not as hard to see how these beliefs were originally generated. Try to imagine that you don't possess the knowledge that you have. We're a couple thousand years in the past, and you know nothing of germs or neurology. You don't even know there's a micro-world to speak of. So you find yourself in the state of nature, and someone you know is suffering. There's no apparent reason they're suffering. There was no attack. There's no wound. Something unseen is causing their suffering. And why not an agent? There's actually reason to suppose that we've been programmed by natural selection to bias agent causation over impersonal event causation. Moreover, this agent is clearly a malevolent agent since it's causing suffering. So what we have is an unseen, invisible agent that is causing suffering to human beings for no good reason. Once religion emerges and embeds these beliefs in a broader religious ideology, we have demons. They're a holdover from our ancestors, another gift from religion. Religion was our first attempt at understanding the world around us. It's a science in the sense that it purports to explain why the world is the way that it is, why what is happening is happening. Its explanations are only taken seriously where there are gaps in our knowledge. And at this point in history, we don't have a complete understanding of mental illness or a way to help everyone who suffers from illness or trauma. So it's not all that surprising that religion is helping, in its usual unhelpful way, to explain some observed phenomena and propose a treatment. This is an area where it couldn't be clearer that religions are failed sciences. Mental illness is not terribly well understood. Psychology in general is a young science. So it's not at all surprising that the phenomena demonic possession supposedly explains are almost entirely limited to the psychological realm. Demonic possession and exorcism are products of religion-based psychology, as opposed to science-based psychology. 
It's one of religion's failed attempts to explain what we see and provide a method for changing it. That's all I have for you today. I have two new patrons to thank, Stephen Nelson and Jasmine Cross. Thank you, Stephen, and thank you, Jasmine. And I'd like to thank all my patrons for supporting the show, and of course my patron Hall of Fame, Jesta, Phil Stillwell, Richard Crossan, and Pre-Nifty. And you can support this show on a per-episode basis at patreon.com counter, where you can earn early access to every episode and access to bonus episodes. If you don't have the money to support on Patreon, but you still want to let Jesus come inside you and fill you up, you can like us on Facebook, YouTube, leave a five-star review, or tell your friends about the podcast. You can also subscribe and leave a review of our sister show, Walden Pod. Our theme music was written and performed by the band Whalers. The song is called Magic Tricks and was used with permission. Thank you for joining me today. I've been Emerson Green, and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you.